just a violent individual. Jimmy, you did a great job with that. Hey guys, welcome back to MMA Fancast. This is Luke Mason here with Jim Mooney. We're excited to give you guys more of Kama Worthy's interview. Kama Worthy is currently the number one ranked pro 155 pound MMA fighter in Pennsylvania, according to Tapology. Here's the concluding part of Kama Worthy's interview here on MMA Fancast. So you've got a brand new little girl. Yes. You're uh, <laughs> you're the owner at uh, yes. the Academy Pittsburgh. Um, you're coaching. You're you know you got a lot of uh, youngsters looking up to you. You're also in the fight game yourself with a big fight coming up. You know what? If anything, do you, what else do you have time for? I mean, that's a loaded schedule right there. Oh, yeah, look, look, that's why y'all taking up baby daddy time. <laughs> I have time for nothing. My time is like, I mean, I, I, mean I, I can find time and stuff because my job is training, so that's not really that hard for. But I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I'm always coaching. I'm always training. I'm either, like, running a little lady to the daycare or picking her up or talking to her. I mean, like, and then I have three other kids. Then I have that, that also – I have a girl, I mean, she needs time too. And then like, you know, trying to do date nights and do this. And then I like to watch TV. So I like to watch, that's my chill time. So I come home and I'll sit there and I watch TV. And then I got to get up and I do privates. And it's just, a, I mean, it's, it's easy though, really, when I think about it. It's just constant. I just, I'm never really still at any time. So leading up to the fight, I get a little bit stingy. The last two weeks of a fight camp, I get a little bit stingy. But before that, it's just, just the constant movement, constantly going. Is, is part of you leading up in those last two weeks, is part of that sleeping, do you get more stingy on your sleep? Yeah, I need more sleep, and I and I start to get – because I start cutting real serious weight, I get cranky because I'm hungry. Even though 55 isn't too bad, but I, I do get a little bit – I do get a little bit cranky. And then and then all the paranoia starts kicking in, the anxiety and stuff, so you have to, like, keep – like, I don't deal with negative people. I don't, I don't deal with negative people in my life in general – but like anyone, like I feel, I, I for me personally, I'm a sponge type person. I just take on emotions, so I can't be around. Leading up to the fight, I just can't be around anyone that I think you're kind of negative. I'll just block you out, just not pick up the phone, not talk to you. <laughs> like I'm like nah. Like even if they're not really a negative person, they're just mopey or something. I just block you out, cut it off. Like, nah, not talking. We were talking about you being the owner of uh, the Academy. When did you start that? And what was, what was kind of the first time you knew, okay, this is going to work? Um, I started like a year ago, like last December. Really, if it wasn't for my girlfriend to call, I wouldn't be able to do it. Cause I'm a goon. Like, like, I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, I know how to, I kind of, I, I kind of, I, I ran restaurants before and I had helped a small business before. So I kind of know how to do it, but I just don't have to, it just, t- it just takes a lot. It's really a joint effort. Someone has to be doing the paperwork stuff, and then someone has to be – I can't be teaching class and doing all the – I mean, I have to it's, – it's, it's hard enough just to put people in, uh, into the computer and do all that stuff and keep track of class and become friends. Because when you run a business like a gym, it's not like owning like a, a, a gas station or something, right? 
because your customers, you know your customers at a gas station, but you really don't. They leave. They come in and get gas and they leave. But with a gym, like, it's different. It has to be a family atmosphere. So I have to have relationships with all of my, all of my, uh, all of my students. It's not a bad thing because I'm a, I'm a very outgoing person. I'm like, I just like to talk to people and whatever, whatever. But you, it's something that you have to do. So it's not draining, but it's just like a constant thing. So then if you had to do like the management part on top of it, you, you wouldn't have time to do anything. So she takes care of all that stuff, like the billings and checks and payroll and all that stuff. And I just talk to the people and teach people how to beat people up. <laughs> well, speaking of you teaching people how to beat people up, what's something that you retaught yourself or learned when you were trying to explain it to somebody else that maybe you hadn't picked up before from your own experience? Uh, it's the jab. The jab, a good right hand will take you across the country. A good jab will take you around the world. Oh, nothing that's more a quote important. right there. That's wow. actually, that's actually, uh, that's actually uh, what's his name? Uh, big, big, big British black dude, uh, boxer. Oh, the boxer, Anthony Joshua. No, yeah, Anthony Joshua. That's Anthony Joshua. Yeah, Anthony Joshua. Okay. Like, that is like, that's completely true. Like a good right hand will take you around the block, but a good jab will take you around the world. Like it's super important to be able to sit there and just fire your jab at will. If you have a good jab, you just load a jab up and just fire. It's, it's just no, there's, I don't think there's a replacement for, especially in MMA, because we're not wearing gloves. We're wearing pieces of leather wrapped around so we don't break our hand. I can I've jabbed people to death in many of my fights. Like yeah. we just jabbed them to death over and over again. So, yeah. So that's the biggest thing I've learned being a coach is watching people. Then like my boxing coach really pushed that really hard too. Just jab, jab, jab. Recover from your jab. Get your jab. Keep your hands up. Throw your jab, jab over and over. I mean, like if you if you watch any of my fights. You can hear my core. That's all they scream. Jab, jab, jab. <laughs> right, no, if you can just jab the person at will, it, it just keeps them off. Like this keeps them from doing anything else. Well, and you also were talking about the recovery of the jab, that if you let any punch hang out there, then you're letting yourself expose. It's not just right. the jab, it's the recovery. And that's what my boxing coach, Chris, has really helped me on, is making sure that, because I'm pretty long, and making sure if you extend it, it has to come back where it, where it came from and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And just different jabs, fainting to the jabs, like just overloading it, like really just constantly pumping it. But most importantly is keeping your shoulder at your, your um, jawline so that way you can throw the jab and not get hit or get counter off of it. Right. So with that said, talking about, you know, improvements to your game, what mm. do you see as whatever it's going to take to get you to the next level? What, what's that step that's going to put you over the hurdle, so to speak? Um, um, growing shots. They, they, they say you always get one. So my new thing is I'm going to keep you the ball as soon as the fight starts. Because you always get one. The referee will pull you to the side. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm looking at you with my foot like, kick you in the <laughs> Next up. You know, I mean, think about Thomas. it. Every fight you start, you kick the guy in the groin. And you are known as the groin smasher. <laughs> Everybody that starts the fight will look at you like, Steve trying to smash my junk. I guess you're pretty edge. <laughs> right. Well, no, but um, I mean, like, really, like, just staying really on point to just staying, just staying, staying the course. I'm slowly adapting a lot of different things, uh, different ways that I fight and stuff, making sure you're in shape 24-7. Because if you watch 90% of most fights, 
are finished because of fatigue. Yeah. Like, everyone gets tired. Like, yeah, everyone gets tired. I mean, if you watch that UFC card last, not the last, yeah, it, it was last week, yeah. Man, there was like five guys on there that looked like they were just sucking up, like, no oxygen, big old beach muscles. Who was it? Brett Hardy looked like he was about to die. Like, you're just yeah. like, oh, yeah, fatigue. No matter how much power you have, if, you don't, if you're not in good shape, it doesn't matter because no matter how much skill or all that, it goes out the window when your body's begging you to get oxygen. Like, there's no way around it. I mean, like Tony Ferguson said, right, he said, when it comes to fighting, the only thing that I can control is my pace. Yeah. Where I'm in the best shape. And I, that's the mentality that I have that I bring to my to all the fighters that fight out of my gym. It's like, yo, we're never, we can lose. We'll lose a fight, but we're never going to get outworked. I'm not going to get outworked. I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to make you feel like you're going to throw up in your mouth as I'm pushing you around. Because that's what it feels like when that person is applying that pressure. You feel like you're going to throw up in your mouth. Like you're losing your, you have just lack, lack of air. You're starting to hyperventilate. You're going to a, crazy. you're going to a stay, a shock, and you start doing dumb stuff and show us the fight. Now, as far as, as far as not having oxygen, have you ever fought at elevation? Nah, and I won't do that <laughs> Don't cream me out the Denver. I'm not fighting the Denver. Nah. I mean, like, it's like, or even like, uh, they say, uh, that's how it is. I think down in New Mexico too. Yeah, but they say you just you just can't. They like they just you just can't get around it. There's just no way around it. Like you think, oh, if I just breathe different, it's not that you're breathing different. It's no. when you suck in air, you're not getting the proper levels of oxygen you'd be getting in Pittsburgh. So your body's getting less blood, like you're pumping less blood to your muscles, and it just adds up after time. So, so with that being yeah. said, yeah, I've got one more question for you, and then I'll let uh, Luke wrap it up. Um, if he's got anything else. So the only thing that you can definitely control is your pace, which is your conditioning. Um, with that said, how much of that coach talk that's going on while the action is happening can you absorb and put to use, or is, does it just become noise with uh, the rest of the crowd? No, after you take it in 100%. I don't only listen to my corner. I listen to my opponent's corner. I love doing that. Mm. They go, oh, he doesn't like that. I'm like, oh, he thinks I doesn't like that. I'm like, oh, he's gonna like, oh, make sure you apply the pressure to get close. Well, he's gonna apply the pressure to get close. That's why a lot of coaches have code names for stuff. And you can't just you can't just say just keep looking for that right because then your guy can be like, oh, he's looking for the right, right, right. So it's like you, as you get more and more evolved, there's code names where they tell you like my coach like we have, we have a couple of code names and. And then they have some certain things I'm supposed to do. And when they say he's doing something, I know what I'm supposed to do when he does a certain thing. So it's not where they're not just saying, like, do this, throw this kick, or do for me, or go for a takedown or something like that. Interesting. So, yeah, so the fight game is always evolving. and You've got to stay at least two steps ahead of your opponent so that right. you've got one step to fall back on and still be ahead. Right, exactly. Well, my, my question, it relates back to what you were saying, that you really immerse yourself in fighting both professionally as a fighter and also as a coach um, and as a fan. Do give me two all-time favorite fighters, one that's a legend that's retired and one that's an active fighter. Uh, my all-time favorite fighter, I only have one. It's Anderson Silva. There's, okay. There's, I would, okay. If I would go with another one, I would probably go with uh, Pele. You got to remember Pele. Sure. Oh, yeah. Pele, yep. my original coach told me that he, he told me I fought like Pele. He's like, I want you to fight like Pele. Like, that guy would shoot on Pele, and he like stump him into the ground. He used to soccer kick people and stuff. Oh, Which yeah. I like to do. That's another thing. I think that should be legal. That's ridiculous. It's not legal. If you're allowed okay. to grab my ankle and twist it, 
You're allowed to grab my toe and twist it. You're allowed to grab my wrist and twist it and make me tap. I should be allowed to soccer kick you in the face. That's your fault. If you're on the floor, I'm going to kick you. Like, if you can, like, get to the ground and start grabbing my ankle and twisting and I can't kick you in the face, that's, like, unhuman. What do you mean I can't kick you? You're trying to twist my foot. You're, like, playing footsies with my foot, and I can't kick you. That's, I just think that's kind of messed up. Well, do, you, do you agree with the no knees to a ground opponent, or would you say? Nope. nope. Once, you're, once, you're, once you're in there, I say no eye gouging, no groin shots, no fish hooking. Everything else, is, and no hit, of course, no hit, buddy. Yeah. I'm like, if you're on the floor and you stop for a takedown, you hang out there, you're going to get knee in the face. Like, like, that's, why I, that's why, personally, I would rather go fight in one fighting championship because they still allow people to soccer kick and knee in the face. Right. I think it's it just makes it look. Think about how many fights you've seen when fights are like just slow because a guy yeah. just holding on to his leg. He won't be doing that. He'll no. be, be worried about getting his freaking head split open. So it would keep the pace of the fight. Faster. Well, on that on that comment, comma, I know some. I think in Pennsylvania, I know some commissioners have been saying that if if I stall out in a takedown and I put my hand down only to prevent strikes then that hand doesn't count like they're doing that like where you know yeah, they're, they're doing it because people are playing the game so they're making it so basic and boring so like like right. i mean like they're they're saying now like some some people are saying like if it's if it's two if it's one if your knees are on the ground you're down but if your hands are on the ground and you're, you're you're on your feet and you put your hand down you're allowed to get knee but it's so confusing there just need to be a standard just like yo man right. you're fighting and yeah, you're getting hit Welcome to a fight game. Like, yeah, no, those are all valid points. I, you know, I never really thought about it. I knew that there were uh, proposed uh, rules changes, and then they implemented them. Um, we saw that with mm. uh, the most recent heavyweight fight in UFC. <coughs> you know, but yeah, I, I think when you start to then leave it at the uh, the referee's judgment, right, stalling or was he not? then you're adding some guesswork into it. And if you just draw a line and say this is legal and this isn't, you know, a downed opponent is not a downed opponent. He's down. He's fair game. He stepped in. And everything that you said, you know, with, with the exception of the headbutts, uh, fish hooking, gou- you know, eye gouging, poking, stuff like that, I agree. Everything else should be legal because – I mean, have you ever watched the old Pride? You ever watched the old Pride – those those yeah. wrestlers oh, yeah. were savages because they couldn't be lazy. They just couldn't. You couldn't stop on a takedown because that guy would buck out, buck his hips back, and start kneeing you in the head. So no one ever died. You never see someone die in pride. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, because that's a big thing. They're like, oh, someone can die. I'm like, no, they can't. I've seen Vandalay Silva jump, stomp people in the face. But what yeah. it does, it keeps the pace of the fight so high, and it keeps fight from just being like unentertaining. I mean, like. Because nowadays, it's at the point where people just want fighters to sit there and just beat each other up. Who are you screaming at, Miss Lady? <laughs> she's, just, she's just over there just screaming. Wow. But, I mean, I just think that, like, 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 it's, like MMA isn't soft, but it is soft. It's soft. Mm. Like, I think the fighters, like, the old school fighters, if they had, if they were young, they'd eat us alive. They were barbarians. <laughs> Those dudes were savages. They fight in barnyards, fight on concrete, like like they were just mud. No, no gloves. There's no, no, no. Like they didn't cut weight. Like no one's in a ice. Like no one's out there like in cryotherapy or getting massages. None of this.
shit. They're just fighting. They're just like, oh, let's go and bang. Like nowadays, it's become a sport. It means it's just like people talk about like basketball and stuff. Like our basketball is a little softer now compared to days when like Michael Jordan played against the those guys from Detroit, and they would, or the New York Knicks would be elbowing people in the back of the head. It was a different sport. So I mean, you can't say that it's bad now, but I think it is soft. Like that's why that's why I would like to get to like uh, to over 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 like one fine championship where I can like at least soccer kick people. At least once <laughs> in my career. Just have somebody shoot for a bad shot, I like step back and then as he like looks up it's just too late. <laughs> head just goes disappearing like, oh God everyone turns. Have you ever watched the highlight like um yeah. one fine championship like soccer kick highlight reel? That stuff gets your heart rate up really <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. like oh, oh god it's so bad so but, you could call that uh the death star move there you go. <laughs> all right so uh luke you got anything else any other questions that uh, that are hanging around um yeah i guess the, the question i'd have since you've been talking about it is what direction would you like to see mma go in as obviously it's a sport it's entertainment but what direction would you like it to go in uh, either in your lifetime or even in the future? I would like it to start going backwards a little bit because I think now it's it's becoming too much about entertainment. Like, you know, you just, like, it's like the best fighters aren't getting the most, rec- like, aren't getting most, I mean, like, it's become like the music industry. Mm. The biggest thing about fighting is, we would, like, what's the saying? It's as real as it gets, right? It's as real yeah. as it gets. But now it's like, it's not as real as it gets. It's as popular as it gets. It's pop music. Mm. You know, it's like when you take a good genre of music and everyone loves it and it's real and then someone brings in millions of dollars and it just becomes <laughs> overnight. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, MMA is kind of like hip-hop to me. Because hip-hop has become <laughs> It's like, like mainstream hip-hop is now. It's like they're just pushing out garbage. It used to be real and it used to be really people expressing what they and now it's just someone just trying to make money. And that's the sales. I mean, in the UFC, the biggest, everything they always talk about is what sells, what sells. You're like, before I didn't give a about if a fight sold, I wanted to see two, the two best people fight it out. Like, that's all it was. But now, I mean, like, even the last Bellator this past weekend, like, there were some fights on there, and like, that WWE guy was yeah. fighting, like, year old guy who says he has like 50 garage fights or something. I'm getting like, how is this on the main card? Meanwhile, there's fires like me or fires all over the place struggling to make it. Meanwhile, we're putting the, the hard work and dedication in, but it's all just about a show. I mean, it's gotten to the point, like, me personally, I just hope the MMA starts to go back. I like it when it was grimy, yeah. when people when people just fought. Like, I mean, like, when the, when the top-level guys fought the other top-level guy, not like, I want to get a money fight. Like, that's, I mean, like, Think about every champion right now. All this is, I want a money fight. Yeah. I want a money fight. I want a money fight. And you're just like, dude, okay. But, like, I get that you want a money fight. But the biggest thing is the UFC is making so much money, and I guess they're not sharing it. So these guys are like, I'm not putting my life on the line, which you do yeah. every time you fight. It's like, I'm not putting my life on the line for garbage money. So they want money fights. But I don't know. I mean, I'm well, not a big fan of Justin Gaethje because he just yeah. fights. Like, well, here's something that comes up. Here's something that comes up in a style. You know, the professional fight league. They just wrapped up giving a million dollars to the tournament winners, and kind of going back to what you're saying is when you do a tournament, you you, you don't get money fights, right? Because it's it's right. who's winning, which I think is the best. Right? I do. I do like tournament. I do like that. For they have like a two two fights in one night tournament, which I really think is really cool. That is on my bucket list of things I want to, I actually want to okay. do like four fight 
or three fight night where you fight three. You have to find spend three fights in a, in a row or three oh. fights in the whole tournament all in one night. That is something I want to do. But I do like professional fighters because it, it's not about – it's not – if you want to get there, you have to win. You have to it's win. Not yeah. People get to pick – people get to pick title. Because, like, the UFC right now, I mean, like, it's like – the, the, the divisions are so backed up. It's like heavy traffic. Like, the yeah. 55 divisions, so backed up. Like, waiting for Carmen Gregor, so backed up. And now they yeah. still don't know what to do. It's like – I mean, one even one eighty five. Like they're trying, they try to like build talent, so they try to hold people away from hard, from harder fights or from this kind of. And it's yeah. it's to be like I get it's a business. That's the biggest thing. Like a lot of people tell me, like my one of my best advisors, he goes, "Do it's a business," and that's in every sport. It's all about making money. Like and it is. That's what it comes down to. So it kind of loses its its as real as it gets when it comes down to just making money. Personally. Yeah, well, I like both sides of the sport, the entertainment uh, side and the face-smashing side as well. I'm not much of uh, one for the trash talk. I, I say, you know, just speak your mind one time and then go at it. And Right. You know, I, I mean, why do you really have to trash talk? Right. Like, basketball players can trash talk because they get to play basketball, right? They don't really get to hit each other. I get to hit you. Like, why do I need to trash talk you? I get to put my fist in your face. I don't care. I can say, you say whatever you want to about my mom. When right. I see you, I'm going to beat you. Like, it's like that's, I never really understood trash talking. Like, if you, if you seriously dislike someone, that's different. If you seriously just don't like someone, then it's natural and you hate that person. That's cool. Then you push that. But fake trash talking, like, yeah. and, some, and now you see the guys that are talking, and you're just like, did, did, did someone write that for you? Do you have, like, some, right. like, and it's it's so fake. It's so not real. It's, you don't see any real characters. You don't see any real person coming through. All the people are trying to do is just talk a certain way so they can make more money. Because we're broke. I mean, I'll tell you the truth. Being a fighter is not a luxury job. Like, it's a rough, hard job. So all people want to do is make money. So people are wearing car talking like Carmen Gregor. Hey, that's like, like, you should be past that. But unfortunately, it's what the market wants, right? Thanks, Kama. Cool. Okay, so that's it for um, all the time we got tonight with Kama. I want to thank him. Uh, both Luke and I are extremely appreciative of the time that you've given us. We are anxiously looking forward to your bout in Pittsburgh and fighting for the inaugural lightweight title for 247 Fighting Championships. For those of you listening, you'll want to get to the Pittsburgh area. It happens April 6th. It's a Saturday. Um, and that is going to be at Princescape mm. Arena in Cannonsburg, PA, just uh, about 25 minutes south of Pittsburgh. A special thanks to Kama Worthy for coming on to MMA FanCast and giving us this interview. Check him out live April 6th at 247 Fighting Championships, Princescape Arena in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Once again, you've been listening to Kama, the Death Star Worthy. And he's been featured here on MMA FanCast. <laughs>